It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, October 4th, 2010. We're live and we're ready to go. We're glad that you're here with us tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is to my right. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you. Always enjoy our Thursday night Bible study on the Virtual Bible Study. We're glad for all who are listening and hope you'll join with us in talking about important spiritual truths. We have important spiritual truths to talk about tonight, and uh, you make the program better by your participation. You participate in one of three ways tonight on the program via the telephone, toll-free, 877-381-4567, over email, questions at collegeview.com, and in the chat room to the right of your video window if you're watching us live on the program tonight. Log in there and participate with other listeners. As we discuss important scriptural topics tonight, a very fundamental topic we want to talk about tonight, and sadly in the world that we live in, a very uh, misunderstood topic and one that causes people much consternation and difficulty in determining very simple principles. Yeah, we want to talk about uh, determining right and wrong. We want to talk about the methodology that we can employ, but we, we're going to do that by looking at some false notions that people have about how to determine right and wrong. All right. Uh, let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. We live in a world that, uh, well, the word, a term that is used is moral relativism. It, 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 things are very ambiguous and vague and... What might be right for me might not be right for you, and what might be wrong for me might not be wrong for you, and, well, we just don't know. It just, it just depends on what day you ask and who you ask, and how you ask it is determining what is right and what is wrong. We live in a very vague, and there are no firm boundaries and lines in our society anymore. That's right. I, I got a, a, a Pew Research poll, Jacob, that was done a while back, and the question was asked, do you think young people today have as strong a sense of right and wrong as they did, say, 50 years ago? Okay. In other words, do young people today know right from wrong as well as pe young people 50 years ago would have known right okay. from wrong? Only 18% said yes. 79%, almost four out of five, said no. Young people don't know right and wrong. They don't well, understand. 75%? 79%. 79%. Almost four out of five, as you said. Wow. Don't know uh, don't have a, a firm understanding of what's right and wrong. And we see it in the society that we live in. Yeah. Uh, so. so. All right. So and it goes it, all the way up to the top, all the way to our leaders, really. Oh, yeah. I think you're exactly right. Uh, uh, even even among those who are in positions of authority, it seems like they have a real problem determining right from wrong. And sadly, our religious leaders in the society that we live in today are just as mixed up on this. Uh I was during the pro before the program. I was working to find uh, when we interviewed the Presbyterian preacher in Nashville. Uh, we asked him, "How do you know what's right and what's wrong?" And he said that was a difficult question. Yeah, hard to, for him, hard to know right from wrong. He's right. a preacher in the Presbyterian Church, and he acknowledges, "Yeah, it's a difficult thing. I mean, it's hard to say definitively what's right, what's wrong." 
man, if our religious leaders are not Can't able, answer that question, who can? Yeah, our religious leaders, our political leaders, our educational leaders are all telling our young people it's really hard to know right from wrong. Then it's not too much of a uh, – uh, it's not too startling of an outcome that our young people don't know right from wrong. Let us know your thoughts. Are you seeing the same thing where you are? 877-381-4567. You, met, you referenced uh, educational leaders, education uh, system in our society is teaching this, and uh, an underlying uh, foundation is that uh, things are relative and there are no absolutes. Yeah, and all of that sort of thing is, is you know, all, all of that uncertainty, not being able to say for sure, and actually often saying that evil is good and good is Ooh, evil. That yeah. happens a lot. The Bible addresses that. Proverbs 17, verse 15 says, He that justifieth the wicked and he that condemneth the just... Even they both are an abomination to the Lord. Yeah. So the, the Lord is, is disgusted by those who would justify evil and those who would condemn good. All right. And then uh, Isaiah 5, verse 20 says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Uh, but that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. Oh yeah. In these instances in which our young people are not being taught, we're not we're not seeing important leaders in various fields take a stand for right and wrong. All right, sign in the chat room if you're not signed in there tonight. It's very simple to follow the instructions at the bottom of the chat window, and you can send in your thoughts. Uh, we see this everywhere in our society where people are calling good evil and evil good. I mean, you stand up for what's right, what the scriptures say is wrong. And you're going to be labeled as being someone who's got a problem and someone who is who is wrong and, and evil for saying what the Bible says. And so we see a society that is totally mixed up. Exactly right. So we're going to try to talk about that somewhat tonight. And we're going to do it by means of analyzing some false concepts that people have relative to the question of right and wrong. Right. And to our, to our update list earlier today, we put this out as the topic for our discussion asks, for you to start giving us feedback, uh, here's some expression. Here's some expressions. I think they're flawed expressions, but people use them to justify their actions. Okay. Uh, number one, how could it be wrong when it feels so right? Okay. You know, there's even been popular country and Western music songs yeah. along yeah. those lines. Yeah. The idea is, my feelings are the determinant. Okay, of, so there's a yeah the underlying thing about the, the feelings. Uh, yeah. No, if I feel like it's right, it's right. Right. Uh, then, this, number two, might makes right. In other words, if I'm able to do it, it's right. In other words, if, 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 if it's within the realm of my capabilities or abilities to do, then I can do it. I can do whatever I want to do. If I can do it, I can okay. I have a right to do it. Okay. Number three, it's legal, therefore it's right. Ooh. In other words, yeah. uh, in our society, in our culture, in our nation, with our laws and regulations, it's been determined that you're allowed to do this or that. And if it's legal, then it's right. Yeah, it's not illegal. I can do that. Yeah. Okay. Number four, everyone is doing it. Uh-huh. In other words, majority. The major- majority. Does, yeah. the, does the majority opinion of a thing make it right? Uh-huh. Number five, no one will ever know. Uh, in other words, if, if, it's, if it's something that I do that no one discovers, then it's not wrong. Secrecy. Yeah. Okay. And then finally, it happened a long time ago, so don't worry about it. In other words, over time, I may have been wrong in doing it, but over time, time sort of heals all wounds sort of thing. And and so it was a long time ago. I don't, I don't have to worry about it. Proximity. Maybe proximity. Okay. So those were the areas we thought of. We, you might think of some others, but at least those areas 
suggest that people have a flawed un, uh, a flawed methodology in making their determinations about right and wrong. Let us know your thoughts. Is it a difficult thing uh, to determine what is right and what is wrong? Maybe you've heard some other excuses that people are making and other justifications people are making for things that are clearly wrong and yet trying to say that they're right. Let us know your thoughts. Join in the discussion tonight. Paul in the chat room starts us off on our first one. We said, how could it be wrong when it feels so right? Right. Those feelings determine whether a thing is right okay. or wrong. He said, how would you like your teenage daughter's boyfriend to live by that rule? Okay. All right. <laughs> Which is exactly right. If, if you're going to use that kind of a concept, then if you're going to allow it for yourself, you have to allow it for everybody else, and including your teenage daughter's boyfriend. You have to allow him to make his determinations on that same basis as well. Now, the, the phrase that you've got here, and we've heard the song, so we've heard the, 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 the cliche, if it, how could it be wrong when it feels so right? That, on the surface, everyone would say, ah, oh, that, doesn't, that doesn't work. That's not going to cut the mustard. That doesn't make it right. Yet people are making the same excuse or justification, just sort of phrasing it and framing it. Yeah, most people wouldn't be so bold as to yeah. say it that way. Yeah. But a lot of people have the idea that uh, uh, an act, uh, if I feel really good about a thing, in other words, I'm, I'm completely convinced this is the right thing to do. Yeah. And and therefore it is right because I'm just really convinced. It makes that, sense. To you me. know, if, if you might think about certain religious practices or doctrines. Uh, we often talk on the virtual Bible study about instrumental music, and and we've engaged in a lot of doctrinal discussions about whether or not in New Testament worship we ought to be using instruments of music. But somebody says, Ante, I just I, it just feels right to me. I'm I just it feels so right. I, it 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 seems like such a wonderful thing. I just don't see how it could be wrong. I mean, talented people are given the opportunity to exercise their talents yes. in, the, in the playing of instruments. It just seems right. Yeah. How could it be wrong? Right. Uh, and so we're not saying that it's, you know, uh, the the uh, teenage guy with his girlfriend who's making this argument to justify maybe sexual immorality. Right. We're saying that even in every aspect of our lives and in, and in particular in our religious service people are using that justification it seems right to me it just seems like a good thing to do well and it also uses justification either for terminating a marriage without proper grounds or uh, uh, establishing a marriage without proper grounds uh, someone who does not have a right to be married to another person would claim well god wants me to be happy Surely God wouldn't think that this relationship, it just seems so right to me. Everything fits together so well, so perfectly. Monty, who's behind the controls tonight, you heard that argument before? Yeah, I've heard that argument before. Um, but I would challenge anybody to find me in the scriptures anywhere where it ever says God wants me to be happy. Yeah. Now, God talks about being blessed, and I think that's uh, a similar enough term that we might could substitute it. But when he talks about me being blessed, it's always talking about those blessings come through obedience to his word. Right. Not that he wants me to be happy. He wants me to be blessed and find those blessings through obeying him. All right. Exactly right. I think that's exactly right. We we have this idea that God wants me to feel wonderful. Yeah. I really think we will feel wonderful if we submit to his will. But that's not the primary objective. The primary objective is submission to his will. His will is in our best interest, and the Bible tells us that he gives us his instructions, Deuteronomy 6.24, for our good always. But, as, as you say, Monty, the, 
God just wants me to be happy. Therefore, I should be able to divorce my wife and marry another one if I want to. Paul in That's Indiana, wrong thinking. Paul in Indiana in the chat room says the people use this reasoning all the time with false worship and their salvation. Now, this is the amazing thing. I have this feeling that I know that I know that verifies this is right. People do this with their salvation of all things. Uh, such an important thing about their salvation. Are you saved? Yes. I, I feel I've, I had this wonderful feeling. And if you had the feeling, you would know you were saved too. You, there's nobody can tell me that the feeling in my heart is not genuine. Right, and therefore it's right. Yeah. Whatever I did, whether I said some sinner's prayer or, or I've <clears throat> had some water poured on my head or whatever it is, I feel that that's, the, that's right because I had this wonderful feeling. Yeah. Uh, in email, we got an email from Chris in Atlanta who says, From a physical viewpoint, there is no doubt that sin can be a lot of fun and feel really good at, it, at the time. Galatians 5.24 references the flesh with its passions and desires. With this in mind, we need to keep our focus on the eternal consequences of all our actions, whether righteous or sinful. This is beautifully illustrated in the parable of the rich fool, Luke 12, verse 16 and following, especially in verses 20 and 21. From an emotional standpoint, you guys had a show not long ago about how we cannot trust our emotions and feelings as an accurate guide for what is acceptable to God. We only have one way to judge what is right or wrong in the Word of God, 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. All right. Thank you, Chris. Chris is our most faithful correspondent, although Ramona is giving him a run for his money. That's right. And uh, she has commented tonight from Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my way, your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We must not be governed in our worship and service to God by what we love and by what appeals to us. We must be governed by what the Holy Spirit has revealed in our Bible for our spirits to read and understand. Jesus said, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words I speak to you, they are the spirit and they are life. John 6, verse 63. All right, in the chat room, Rick you, uh, Rick joins in the chat room, says the idea of if it feels right is about the same as let your conscience be your guide. Oh, yeah, Jiminy Cricket, wasn't it? Yeah, the problem with that is the conscience never functions till after the act and only passes judgment then in accordance with the education it has received. It still gets back to the fact that man must have an objective standard of right and wrong, not something within us that determines right and wrong. Any references, Jeremiah 10, 23, it's not within man that walketh to direct his steps. That's right. Um, in my notes on this, I had thought about the Apostle Paul as an example of a fellow. It feels right, it must be right. I feel good about what I'm doing. Well, Paul said that he felt good during the time that he was persecuting Christians. Acts 23, verse 1, Paul earnestly beholding the council said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Uh, he said in Acts 26, verse 9, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I thought. I had a feeling. To me, it seemed right. Paul was persecuting Christians, having some of a helping in the fact that some were being put to death. And he said, I felt right about it. It felt good to me. That ought to frighten uh, every one of us. So, again, the standard is not our feelings, what we think about a thing. Um, someone might ask about a person who feels okay because they don't know better. In other words, here's a guy. He, he didn't know uh, that he wasn't supposed to divorce his wife and marry you know someone else without scriptural authority. Mm -hmm. He feels good about it because he was uninformed that it was wrong. But even that kind of a fee okay feeling is not the true test. Uh, Acts 17, verse 30, at, And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Even if you feel good about a thing because you don't know better, 
never been taught better, you're still not justified inside of God. Ignorance is no excuse either. If you feel good because you're ignorant, what I'm saying is that doesn't make it right. All right. We need to go to a break, and uh, we'll look forward to your comments on the other side. Quickly before the break, Guest 56 asks a question. Slightly off topic, but a good question. We can answer it quickly. Should we forgive ourselves since God has promised to forgive us? Yeah, if we've met God's conditions for forgiveness and he promises to forgive us, then there's no reason why we shouldn't allow ourselves the, the peace of mind that comes from knowing that we have been forgiven by God. But by an objective standard, not by a subjective standard of our feelings, by following God's instructions on how to remedy the problem of sin in our lives. Exactly right. All right, we're taking a break, and we're getting your comments on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Do you remember when churches taught the truth in a straightforward and direct way with no sugarcoating? Can you recall when homosexuality was plainly condemned and unscriptural divorce and remarriage was not tolerated? Can you think back to a time when you heard hard sermons on moral issues like dancing, immodest dress, and filthy movies? Do you long for a return to the kind of teaching and preaching that you heard 30 or 40 years ago? The College View Church is trying hard to maintain the same moral principles that have been associated with God's people throughout the ages. They want to hold the line against the drifting that is characterized in so many churches today. Come and see. Visit the College View Church of Christ. Here's some quotes worth pondering. What would you have if you woke up this morning with only the things you thanked God for yesterday? The measure of who we are is what we do with what we have. There's only one way to succeed in anything, and that is to give it everything. Be a good listener. Your ears will never get you in trouble. It's never too late to become the person God wants you to be. Man, I wish I'd said that. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. We're back on the virtual Bible study tonight as we talk about a simple question. Well, it should be simple, but it's not so simple in application in our society, unfortunately. We're talking about right and wrong. How do you determine what is right and what is wrong? Uh, we talked about feelings. And that's, a, that's a very common thing. Uh-huh. People use their feelings to justify themselves. Let's move on to another one, Jacob. We suggested some people have the idea that might makes right, or right is determined by man's ability to accomplish it. If, it's, if, if he can do it, then let him do it. He can, it, it he's, he's capable, he's able, and therefore he can do it. You know, politicians sometimes operate at this level, and, and politically it's called pragmatism. Pragmatism. You know, it's what works. It works. Yes. Oh, okay. Therefore, yeah. it is the right thing to do. You yes. know, it, it, may, it, it may have some questionable components to it, but the fact of the matter is it gets the job done. Mm-hmm. You know, he's pragmatic. He, he compromises. If he has to lie a little, he lies. If he has to bribe a little he bribes but he's pragmatic in his approach it gets no, the job done whatever gets the job done yeah. is the way that need it that's that's the authority for his for his actions it's it's his ability to do it therefore let him do it okay uh you know i hope everybody realizes that that concept is just ripe uh with all kinds of potential evil consequences mm-hmm. uh men have uh, the, the ability to do a lots of things, and 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 our ability is increasing technologically, to, and and so forth to do many things. It doesn't necessarily make it right. Just because we can doesn't right. mean we should. Okay, all right, that's excellent. Um, and uh, Chris in Atlanta says, I'm not familiar with this saying. 
if it is referring to the strongest deciding what is right, then we know from God's word that he cho- chose the weak and those of less noble birth to spread his message. First Corinthians 1, 26 through 29, Acts 4, verse 13. I think uh, God's references to uh, selecting the humble and uh, is perhaps an indication, Monty, of this idea that uh, he wants those who submit to his will, not those who are proud and lifted up and think that they're so strong and mighty that they can decide what they want to do. You know, if you, if you think about it, if we're going to say whoever's the strongest gets to decide what's right, then we're back to God getting to decide again because he has more might and power and strength and whatever you want to call it or whatever terms that would be appropriate to describe him with than we do. He's the more powerful, so he gets to decide what's right. All right. Ramona says, uh, references Romans 5, verses 1 through 2, Therefore, since we have been made right in the God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. Christ hath brought us and under the uh, us into this place by of undeserved undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. God's love is a privilege, it is a gift uh, to keep. This gift is a continued strengthening of our relationship with the Lord through obedience. So, appreciate those comments tonight. Habakkuk 1:11 says they will be held guilty they whose strength is their God. Yes. In other words, they they think that they're able. They're able. They're capable. They have the, the strength. The strength. If you therefore, can do therefore, they say that's their God. They can make things right because they have the power to do it. And they'll be held guilty, it says. Okay. A couple of practical examples I had written down. Uh, I'm stronger than you. Therefore, I can take what you have. Okay. Or I'm stronger than you, therefore I can kill you. Yeah. You know, does does might make right? Does just the ability, does the fact that I can make it right? I think most everybody would say, no, that's not true. Right. If it's not true, and you know, a lot of times it's helpful when we're when we're considering arguments and reasoning things through to go to extreme examples, and the, the extreme examples make it obvious. Maybe maybe some uh, sometimes we have difficulty with certain situation but if you think of extreme examples of the case then it becomes clear that that can't be true it can't be no in other words just because a, one person is stronger than another doesn't give him right to kill the weak person yeah uh and so just might might or ability does not determine right from wrong all right paul has an interesting comment and a very good one he, paul says it may be that might Maybe influence. We might be able to influence a whole meeting of men in a business meeting and be wrong. There's a good example. That's a good example. In other I, words, here's a guy who's a real strong personality. Yeah. He's, he, I mean, he's he's a domineering kind of fellow. People sort of hush and listen when he speaks. Because, not because he's necessarily wise. He's just, just he's overpowering. Yeah. He's very dominating. Yeah. Uh, well, does that make him right? Does that mean that his word goes, that we should follow everything he says because he said so? No. Okay. Good well, example, Paul. And that's a good one. And uh, I've I've known of people when they did something that they they didn't feel right about, if they could convince everybody else that it was right, you know, with their through their influence or through their pushiness, maybe, then get everyone to say, okay, well, I guess it's okay. Then they somehow felt better about what they had done that they really think is wrong. And so I think there's another application of Paul's comment. Thank you, Paul, uh, for those good comments tonight. All right. Um, so I think we've covered that concept, and again, it's it's one of those flawed ideas. Our, I, our our theme tonight is dealing with some flawed ideas that men use to justify their actions, to, to, to use in their judgments about right and wrong. Right. Let's go to the next one. The next one is right and wrong 
are not established by what is legal. Yes. Uh, some people say it's legal. I mean, therefore, it's okay, isn't it, because it's yeah. legal. Well, Ramona says abortion is legal, but that doesn't make it right. So I think Ramona's going to that extreme there that you mentioned. Well, think about that for a minute. Why it, Why would we say abortion is not right? It's certainly legal. Right. We, we know it's been established as a legal thing in our country and in many places in the world. How would we say it's not right, even though it's legal? Well, we'd have to go to some other objective standard. You can't say, you can't go up to a person who's entering into an abortion clinic and say, what you're about to do is wrong. Mm-hmm. And that person says, well, I have, it's legal. Mm-hmm. I'm not breaking any laws. The law says I can do it. So what are you going to use to convince that person that, in fact, it's not right what they're anticipating to do? Mm-hmm. And I think there you've got to, you've got to come to a, a, an objective standard, as we've been saying uh, all night tonight. It's got to be the Word of God. We've got to convince people to go to that standard versus what the government or some other legal authority uh, allows. Now, that's an interesting uh, thing because the laws of the land can maybe more liberal than God's laws, but God's laws prevail. They may also be more restrictive than God's laws, but God's laws would prevail as well. And so we've got a hierarchy of, of law here as to what uh, determines what's right and wrong, money. Well, we can even see that in the laws of the land, because if you read through the Constitution, it says that the Constitution, the United States Constitution, and the laws of the United States will be the highest laws of the land. So mm-hmm. they trump state laws. Right. State laws trump county laws, which would trump city laws. So you have a hierarchy in man's laws. And so it's only reasonable that God's law is still higher on the hierarchy than any laws that man might do. And when we think about man's laws, men made them. Yes. And men have fallible judgments and are quite often incredibly foolish. So just because something is legal that shouldn't be or something is illegal that should be legal, men made those laws, and that don't necessarily make it a good thing. All right. Uh, On on the abortion question, you know, pretty plainly the Scriptures condemn, for instance, among the seven things that are an abomination to the Lord, Proverbs chapter 6, is hands that shed innocent blood. I don't think there's a clearer case of hands shedding innocent blood than those who kill by abortion. Yeah. Uh, the laws of the land say it's legal. The scripture says it's an abomination to God. Homosexuality. Yeah. It used uh, to be illegal. used to be illegal. Now it's legalized. Even, um, even in the military, you know, uh, in the presidential debate last night, uh, President Obama was cataloging things that he had done in his first term in office, and one of the things that he proudly acclaimed as an accomplishment in his administration was that he had abolished don't ask, don't tell in the military. In other words, if you were going to be in the military, you were homosexual, you better keep it to yourself because you weren't allowed to be in the, you weren't, you couldn't be an openly professed homosexual right. in the military. Right. Well, he got rid of that. Now you can be, and he was, he's proud of that. Right. It's legal. It's legal. You can, be, you can be in the Army and be a, a practicing homosexual and, and open about it. But that'll make it right. Yeah, you know, and it is sad, uh, and there are many people who would claim to be religious who are influenced by the fact that something is legal. Jeff references the lottery in the chat room. And uh, in uh, 2004, heard on the radio this morning, 2004 was when Tennessee legalized the lottery. Well, there were religious people that, as a whole, the religious people in the state were against uh, the lottery and uh, organized efforts to keep it from happening. 
Now the lottery is legal, and I would venture a guess that there are many of those people who were against it who now have softened up. And I know there are many people who would uh, be religious, claim to be religious, who are playing the lottery uh, today. The, uh, the, heard, the legality is, is, is of, the, of, the, of that has influenced people's thinking. Yeah, people who who would have opposed it in the past now say, "Well, it's legal. It must be okay. I can do it because it's legal." Yeah. I think uh, Jeff. I think you've got a good example there with the lottery. Uh, in in regards to these kind of things, Paul says Acts five uh, says we ought to obey God rather than men. I think that's verse twenty nine. Uh, he says Saul was a civil leader, a king, and he allowed the people to bring back Agag and the best of the flocks. First Samuel chapter fifteen. The civil ruler was wrong in what he did and allowed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick says there's a difference between legal right and moral right. Oh, good comment. Legal right is determined by man, moral right by God. Acts 5.29, we ought yeah. to be God. That's, yeah. that's a really good observation, Rick. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. All right. 877 we, uh, we did not get Chris. Chris. Chris says there are several things considered legal but violate Scripture. Drinking alcohol, smoking, abortion, divorce, and remarriage for almost any reason, just to name a few. We are to obey man's laws, 1 Peter 2, verses 13 and 14, but not when it violates God's laws, Acts 5, verse 29. All right. Thank you, Chris, for those comments. Well, it's time for a break. This week's bullet point is coming up. And on the other side of the bullet point, we've got some more things, some more excuses that people are making. And we probably could squeeze in some more in the chat room if you know of some some excuses that people use or justification people use for things that uh, are clearly wrong from the scriptures, but uh, that uh, they want to justify. Let us know your thoughts in the chat room tonight. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The Virtual Bible Study will be right back after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. A recent survey of several churches turned up some interesting statistics about the people who are being converted to Christ. Some things didn't seem to matter much. For instance, there were about equal numbers of men and women who became Christians. And people from different races were represented in percentages that aren't far different from the general population. The age of new converts showed an interesting trend. The highest percentages were among men and women from 20 to 40 years old. And among these, the highest numbers were for married people. This should tell us that we ought to be especially targeting young married people with the gospel message. The second largest age group for converts was those under 20 years old. Most of these were children of existing members. This is an extremely important group, and we should never fail to pay special attention to the conversion of our own children. Without a doubt, the most strikingly obvious statistic is that new converts are by far most often among people who are friends or relatives of those who are already Christians. In fact, a look at the numbers shows that fully 80% of conversions are among those we already know. Only 4% were reached by advertising efforts and just 1% contacted by door-to-door work. What does this tell us? It's clear that we need to be working hard to teach and convert our own family members, our friends and co-workers, our neighbors and other acquaintances. Four out of five conversions are likely to come from these folks who are already known to us. And yet we continue to target people we don't know with ads and door knocking. We can change that. Let's get more efficient. Let's work energetically to teach and convert as many as we can especially those we already know. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study, and we hope you'll tell others about the program. We're always open to your feedback concerning topics for discussion and suggestions as how we can make the program more effective. Drop us a line at questions at collegeview.com or call us toll-free at 877-381-4567. 
For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The Virtual Bible Study continues. We're back on the Virtual Bible Study tonight, and we will remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, if you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area. You can find out more about our meeting times and meeting place by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. If you have questions or comments about anything you've heard on any uh, past edition of the Virtual Bible Study, we welcome your comments and your feedback. If you have suggestions for upcoming programs, topics, or questions that you'd like to have discussed, we'd welcome those as well. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to you. All right. Uh, in the chat room, Jeff made a comment that I think we could expand to make another one of these faulty arguments, uh, Jacob, okay. that we didn't have in our list. Jeff says the good does not outweigh the bad. Ooh, I think you, he was talking about lottery. But, you know, a lot of people, when it comes to making decisions, even moral decisions, they, 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 they sort of like it's in a balance scale. Well, this may be bad, but look how much good will result from doing it. And therefore, the good outweighs the bad, therefore it's okay. Yeah. For instance, I'm going to have to tell this little lie mm-hmm. to make this thing happen. Uh, and, and typically speaking, lying is not good. Right. Uh, but in order to protect somebody's feelings or for some other reason, some other good outcome that I, that I hope to, to uh, bring to pass, then I think it's okay. Yeah. I'll justify the wrong because of the good that will come by doing the wrong. Okay. So the, the good outweighs the bad. And I think uh, Jeff has hit upon something there. Yeah, I think I think he's right. And uh, it's the old, the end justifies the means. Sort yeah. of. You know, yeah. I'll do some wrong, but there'll be some good that comes from it. And, yeah. uh, certainly. and people use that kind of reasoning. So, Jeff, I think you hit on another one that we didn't have in our list. And certainly God would not expect us to violate his rules in order to follow others. And so a good good comment tonight. All right, well, the, the next one we had in our list is one that is so common, and that is everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. And the, and the, the notion is that majority opinion determines right and wrong. If everybody thinks it's okay, it's okay. And, again, we probably, as adults, uh, would not come out and say this outright, but uh, in effect and in practice, we are allowing the majority rule to establish what is right and what is wrong. Chris in Georgia says, my kids use this all the time, as I did when I was younger. We love to be accepted and receive validation. Just because something is popular, even with the religious world, that does not make it right. There are a lot of good and bad people on the way to eternal destruction because of popular actions. We must guard our hearts and watch our actions to be in, to be sure uh, we are on the path through the narrow gate. Matthew 7, verses 13 through 14. These verses are truly, are brutally honest. The right way, the way that leads to life, is a hard path to follow. We need to be re- to really keep our focus and eye on the prize. Uh, as is so often the case, Chris is thinking a parallel, parallels mine. And I had thought along the lines that he mentioned. I had thought of Roman, or excuse me, Matthew yeah. 7, 13, 14. Yeah. Jesus on majority versus minority. What did he say? Matthew seven thirteen, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Yeah. Jesus said the majority is wrong, the minority is right. So majority opinion, even I mean plainly stated by Jesus, majority opinion doesn't work. 
Chris, uh, Chris ought to be a, a guest on the on the program. Yeah, we need I? to get him to Chris, yeah. find out yeah, sometime. Come on, Chris. You need to be on the program with us. Uh, I mean, give us, Yeah, Monty, go ahead. Well, when we think about this idea of everybody's doing it, early in the book of Judges it tells us that the children of Israel, after the death of Joshua, had developed into this culture of every man was doing what was right in his own mind. Right. And what it was right in his own eyes. So, in effect, everybody was just doing what they thought was right, right. kind of like this feeling thing or whatnot. But we see continually this doing what was right in their own mind led them astray, and then they would have to go through this cycle of falling away, persecution, uh, repentance, and then a judge would come to deliver them. <laughs> so over and over that kind of thing went on of everybody's yep. doing what they think is right, what feels good to them, but it was a problem for them repetitively. Yes. If, uh, in the chat room, Paul says, if everyone jumped off a cliff, Oh, never mind. He said, that's what your mom always yeah. used to say. Well if, you, well, if everybody jumped off a cliff, would you do that too? Uh, because it is common that people, uh, young people in particular, say everyone's doing it. I know I did that. Chris said he did that when he was young, and his kids do it now. Uh, uh, Ramona references Jeremiah ten twenty three. Oh, Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. The Ramona was it, on your brain way on that one too. Is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Yeah. I'm reminded of Exodus 23, 2. That nails it. Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Yeah. Uh, so it's always been a problem. I, one of the things that is so obvious is that we think that we're more sophisticated. We've come a long way, man. Right. We, we're a lot more intellectual. We, lo- we know so much more. We're so much smarter, wiser, uh, more learned. Uh, no, we're just pretty much like people have always been. Yep. And the arguments that we use are the arguments people have always used. And, the, and yep. our in our rationalization to justify wrong things is just the same as always been. All right. Now, this is uh, an interesting uh, justification and one that we may not come right out and uh, make uh, right on the surface. May, for instance, there may be something that's wrong and, uh, and I want to do it. I may not be so bold as to come out and say, well, everybody else is doing it. Look, I'm going to do it. But the way it works is like this. We follow the crowd without thinking, and we assume that if everyone else is doing it, it's okay. And we do things that are wrong when we, if we would just step step back and look at them and compare them with what God's Word says, we wouldn't even think that, about doing them. But we just sort of follow along blindly. Often it may be with our dress or with our language. We think, well, it's just the way people dress when they go to the beach. It's just the way they dress when they go to work out. And we don't even think about it. And yeah. so if everyone else is doing it, then it must be right. I think it's a huge problem for Christians. And, Jacob, you've heard me make the argument that if you were to graph trends, uh-huh. uh, even trends towards sinful or immoral things, the general population is going like this. Yeah. And Christians are following along. Now, we're not out here at the leading edge of this yeah. sinful trend. Right. But we're letting society drag us along in that direction to the point that Christians today dress, act, and do things that would have been considered horrible a generation ago right but now nobody bats an eye about it what have we done we've allowed majority opinion to form our opinion right. as to right and wrong and we didn't come out and say i'm going to do it because everybody else is we just sort of subconsciously and subliminally maybe money followed along as they went their way or as, or as greg said a minute ago we kind of follow the trends but we're just a few steps behind not and, and our justification might be well i'm not as bad as they are well that don't make it right just because I'm not as just because I'm not a serial killer doesn't make it go right, all right for me just go kill one or two people because I'm not as bad as he is. Yeah, I mean, I've often about said making extreme examples, but that illustrates the point. 
I've often said, Monty, that if all you have to do to be okay is to find somebody worse than you are, then theoretically there's only one guy in the whole world who can't do that. You know, there's one there's one theoretically yeah. worst person in the whole world. He can't point to anybody else who's worse than he is. But but with the exception of that guy, everybody else can find someone who's worse than they are. Well, he's even okay, too, because he can say, I'm not as bad as the devil is. Yeah, okay. or, or he could point to some dead person that yeah. I haven't gone that far. All right. Um, Rick in the chat room says, if it is true that it is not in man that walketh to direct his own steps, how do we think some other man is capable of directing us? And I think maybe Rick is uh, alluding to that fact that how could, how could how could we expect if if we can't make our own way? How can we expect our society to? How can we follow blindly what our society is doing? Or uh, or or our our religious or leaders? Or religious leaders. How, yeah. how can they legislate or make rules that we just blindly follow because they said so? It must yeah. be okay because they 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 are in the lead and everybody is doing as they say to do, and so I'll just do that too, without questioning. Yeah. Good point. All right. You know, we we talked about that last night at, at class in Romans 16 when it talks about these smooth talkers deceiving the simple and leading them away and teaching false doctrine. Just because a person's a religious leader and maybe we respect them greatly, and generally speaking, they might be very knowledgeable and right, but they can be wrong on something and we can be led away. So we just because the preacher said it or the elders said it or somebody else said it, just person that we respect doesn't mean they're right and as we began the discussion with if a, if a large crowd is doing it we ought to step back and ask ourselves is it right because uh, typically the truth and the way of, of righteousness is not going to be popular and so if if it's my a, dad used that that kind of reasoning when when uh, and i was a slow learner it took me a while to catch on uh, when i'd say well er, dad everybody's doing it and i more than once i set myself up for this comeback he would say well that's probably another good reason why you shouldn't be doing it because if everybody's doing it, it's probably wrong. You know, it, and it took me several cycles of that to say, "Oh, I better quit saying that to him. It never works." <laughs> <laughs> well, you at, least, at least you learned eventually. <laughs> All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu.com. The line is open. The line is toll free. Why not jump on it and let us know your thoughts? Let's take our last break, Jacob. We got two more concepts we want to deal with, uh, and then I want you to tell us, tell our listeners about an upcoming program that you've got. Yeah, interested up. in an, a program coming up. You want to hear about that in a few minutes. So don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue with your comments. We hope right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Do you remember when you went to church and heard sermons that clearly set forth the New Testament plan of salvation? Can you recall when churches rang out with lessons that plainly exposed false teachers and false doctrines? Can you think back to a time when preachers and members of the church were set for the defense of the gospel? If you are craving to find a congregation that is like the church you can remember from years ago, like the church back in the first century, please visit the College View Church soon. They're trying hard to be a church just like the church you remember, like the one you read about in your Bible. Come and see. Visit the College View Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A recent survey showed surprisingly that half, 54% in fact, of evangelical Protestants said, yes, people of religions other than Christianity can go to heaven. That's via the Christian Post. In contrast, our Lord Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. John 14, verse 6. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the program tonight. Join in the thoughts uh, with your thoughts and your comments. Uh, let us know over, over email, in the chat room, or on the phone tonight. As we talk about right and wrong again, 
you know, this is you, you sent out this email and it's almost you would think, what in the world are they going to talk about? This is like fundamental. This is like ABCs of religion right here. It yeah. sort of is, but yeah. as yeah. we said earlier, you know, we we cited that poll at the start of the program. People were asked, do you think young people today know right from wrong as well as they did 50 years ago? And 80% said no. Young people today don't know right from wrong. They don't near, know it nearly as well as their ancestors did. Well, why not? Why Why are people have? Why is there a breakdown and people are not able to determine right and wrong as clearly as they should? I think it's a lot of this flawed reasoning that we're talking about in our program. Our, our educators are muddying the water, teaching this relativism. Our religious leaders are following along and can't say right from wrong and are accepting anything, Monty. It doesn't matter what the sin. You can find a religious group that is uh, justifying it and saying that the scriptures don't say it's wrong. And then up to our leaders and uh, those who are pop in popular society and and our uh, our those uh, people in, in entertainment and so on. Nobody can say what's right and what's wrong anymore. And if you come out and say something's wrong, then you're a hateful person, a bigot, and uh, you just are uneducated. Yeah. Uh, let's go to uh, let's uh, go to this next one that we suggested. I think maybe it is one of or one of, if not the most common justification that people use in their own thinking. Mm-hmm. And that is, if no one finds out, it'll be okay. As yeah. long as no one finds out. Uh, it's not really that bad. It's okay. not, it might be wrong, but there's really no consequence to it if no one finds out. Okay. Just, just as long as no one will ever know kind of, kind of thing. Right. Ramona quotes Job 28:24. He, God, looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. Okay. Thank you, Ramona, for that. Chris in Atlanta sends in, God knows all and all will come to light. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 14, and 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5. All right. Uh, you know, I was talking to someone recently that had been uh, basically caught in the act of adultery. And when quizzing them about this and what possessed them to do that and whatnot, is, well, I didn't think anybody would find out. That, I, that answer sort of got away with me because realistically, Who you're cares? not going to do anything that nobody can find that's going to find out about for one thing. It's very unlikely. Right. And ultimately, that's irrelevant so because what? God knows. Yeah, yeah right. Okay. Yeah, there's an interesting statement of Jesus along that line, Monty, in Luke chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. There is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which ye have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. Ultimately, everything about us is going to be open, revealed, right. and known. Nothing is going to be hidden. Uh, so uh, I, I think it's... Uh, uh, Hebrews 4, verse 12, everything is naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. 413. Rick Rick references that in the chat room. All things are naked and open to the the eyes of whom we have, with with whom we have to do. Yeah. Um, I was thinking of the young man Joseph in the Old Testament as an example. In Genesis chapter 39, I think all of our listeners will remember the episode where he was tempted by Potiphar's wife. Right. She she wanted to commit sexual immorality with him. Yeah. Uh, there might have been a lot of reasons why that young man would have been tempted to do that. I mean, normal physical passions would have come to play, but he might have even had the additional motivation saying, I'm a slave, she's my master's wife, 
if I do what she wants, I might be able to use that to my advantage to get out of this circumstance. I mean, we don't know. The scripture doesn't say that. But you could think there would be a lot of things going on in his mind. But what was the primary thing going on in his mind? Genesis 39.9, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He had been badly mistreated. He was suffering wrongfully. And yet he still felt a loyalty to God. I don't want to do this wrong against God. If we would constantly keep in mind our God in heaven, how he's loved us and blessed us and all that he does for us continually, and when we're in the moment of temptation and when we're trying to come up with some sort of justification to do wrong, if we would just think about him and what we owe him. And here's another one, and Paul mentions this in the chat room. This seemed to be the reasoning of Ananias and Sapphira. That was exactly the reasoning, wasn't it? Yeah. That they could do this, nobody else would know, and uh, and it'd be all right. Yeah. And okay. Paul mentions Romans 2.16, God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. That was Rick. That was Rick. Yeah. I'm sorry. But that was Paul that wrote it, so you were right. Paul said, said yeah. in Romans 2, and Rick quoted him yes, uh-huh. in the chair. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, all right. Let's go to one more uh, of these. And that's the idea that it happened a long time ago. I don't have to worry about it. Okay. Uh, sort of the idea that over time things are forgotten and it, memory fades, so do sins. You yeah. know, it, it doesn't matter. If it was a long time ago and people are not remembering it anymore, I don't remember it anymore. Therefore, I don't have to worry about it. Time heals all wounds. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, Ramona says a sin must still be forgiven because it is still sin. It is what separated us from God. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. First John 1, verse 8, Ramona quotes. Thank you, Ramona, for those comments and your participation tonight. And I would agree with Ramona. If it separated you from God, then whatever is standing between you and God needs to be removed. Still there. Yeah. Yeah. Chris says from Atlanta, humans are bound by time. God is not. Ecclesiastes 12, 14 states, For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. How many deeds are there in every deed? All of them, Ooh. regardless of when they were done. Yeah. Here's a personal story that ties many of these questions together. In my high school days, I used marijuana. It was fun, but a very dumb thing to do. I drove many times while high. I was not thinking about the future consequences of my actions. Not only could I have killed someone, I could have been dri- killed driving or buying the stuff, and where would I be now? I'm sure that after all these years of me being in torment, I would not have been glad... I would not have been glad that I decided to sin like that. Sad thought, but I would have been doomed and without hope just because of those few moments of temporary pleasure. Hardly worth the trade-off. We must all focus on our ultimate goal of spending eternity with God and ask ourselves if what we are about to do will get us closer to heaven or keep us out of heaven. Okay. Uh, very Thank good you, Chris. observations, Chris. All right. Appreciate those, Chris. And, uh, you know, that is the idea, Monty, I think, is that, uh, well, if you can just do this and then keep it secret and then let time go, then it will be okay. Doesn't justify anything. You know, David, I think, had that same concept after his sin with Bathsheba. And she became pregnant, and he brought Uriah in from the battlefield, however far away that is, I don't know, but that took some time. And when he wasn't able to to accomplish his goal there he sent Uriah back with a message and had him killed and then after some amount of time he went and took Bathsheba's wife and I'm sure he thought enough time had gone by that this was kind of under the rug and nobody's going to know about it and everything's going to be alright and the time will take care of this but it still caught up with him the faith in the prophet still came to him 
told him that God's condemning what you've done, that what you've done is wrong. And so time didn't fix that for him. And he still had to confess that he had sinned before God. And he still, time wasn't fixing it for him. And he's called a man after God's own heart. He's a mighty man of the Bible. We see a lot of great things he's done. But that still didn't fix his sin. He yeah. still had to take care of it. And so it might be something that we've done way back in our past and we never even think about it anymore. But if we haven't repented of it and made it right, we've still got something standing between us and God. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, I believe that this is a, an example of men thinking that God is like they are. You know, men do tend to forget things. Yeah. Even, you know, there, there could be some news thing about some horrendous crime that was committed, you know. Yeah. And people are in outrage against this sort of thing. Yeah. In, in two or three months, people forgot all about it. Yeah. They don't even, they're not even considering it anymore. Right. So we we imagine that God is like that. Oh, he may be upset with me at the moment that He'll I get this over in, it. But he kind of gets can over out, it. Yeah, I can yeah, out. yeah. You know, he, he he's he's like everybody else. It just kind of fades in his memory, and he's not even he not even think about I it. I can anymore. outlive my sin, in other words. Yeah. yeah. And so the idea that the wrong becomes right over. A passing of a period of time is just wrong. All the verses, uh, several have suggested verses. Here's another one from Second Corinthians 5, verse 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that that he hath done, whether it be good or and bad. It says according to that he hath done in the last six months. Or, or just the, you know, the most recent things right, he did. Right, No, okay. everything. All right. Or just the stuff everybody else might know about. Yeah. Well, the stuff that they know about that was recent, yeah. that nobody else was doing, uh, that uh, yeah, you <laughs> you're know. trying to get all of our, all my here, Here's here's what we here's but let, I let did me it run ten years ago when everybody else was doing it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Here's the rundown on things that we said, uh, faulty arguments to determine right from wrong or to yep. make our moral decision. Wrong is not determined by how a person feels about it. Right does not result from a man's ability to accomplish it. Right and wrong are not established by what's legal. Majority opinion does not determine right and wrong. Wrong is still wrong, even if no one else ever finds out about it. And wrong does not become right after the passing of time. Okay. There you go. Well, that's uh, that's a wrap for tonight, and we appreciate uh, you being a part of the program. We do have a couple of announcements that we need to make, and the first of those uh, being the most uh, the one that will come soonest. Uh, we have an interview scheduled for not next Thursday, but the week following on the eight, on the 18th. Uh, we have uh, a Unitarian Universalist uh, preacher who has uh, agreed to come on with us, and we look forward to talking to her about uh, the idea. And, and uh, they recently featured in a, a, a report where they welcome the, those of the Muslim faith, those of the Jewish faith, those of uh, the Hindu faith, they, they are, they're welcoming, and they're worshiping uh, side by side, hand in hand, and uh, they, they think that everybody's okay. So here's your homework assignment. Do a little research on the universalists. Yes. What do they believe, and where do they stand on important and, – and be prepared to ask some questions. Yeah, it's a, it's, we're going to have a good discussion, a friendly discussion, just to get an understanding of, of where they come from because, to be honest, uh, that's a foreign concept – Universalism basically is the I'm okay, you're okay idea taken to its 
fullest extent. Right. Everybody is okay. And probably be a foreign concept to a lot of our listeners, and so it'll be a good uh, opportunity to, to understand uh, where they're coming from, and we'll look forward to that discussion. That's on the 18th of this month. and two, then Two weeks from tonight. And then that following Sunday will be The begin. 21st. Beginning the 21st, we've got a gospel meeting here at College View. Yep. We're going to have different speakers. It'll run Sunday through Friday. We'll have... Uh, our normal time Sunday morning, 9.30 Bible study, 10.30 worship. But in the afternoon, we'll sing for 30 minutes at 2.30 and at 3 o'clock have preaching. Uh, Jeff Smith from Athens, Alabama will be here. And then we'll have different speakers throughout the night, uh, weeknights, Monday through Friday, 7 o'clock each night. But the theme for our whole week of studies is what makes the Church of Christ different. Yes. Uh, we chose that theme purposefully because uh, we think that there's not enough emphasis on those things that make us unique. We, right. In other words, we're not being different just for the sake of being different, but right. we believe that we're different for important reasons. And there are some things that make us different from many others in the religious world. Why is it so, and what are the significant reasons that we think these things are necessary? What makes the Church of Christ different is the theme for our gospel meeting, October 21st through the 26th. And we'll look forward to you being a part of that. And if you cannot make it uh, Thursday night immediately following the meeting, we'll be having the virtual Bible study live, and you can listen uh, to that as well. And uh, we'll and we'll also have the audio available if you'd like to request a copy of that. We may podcast some of that as well. And so uh, we're looking forward to that uh, special series of meetings coming up October 21st. Sunday the 21st through Friday the 26th. All right. Well, uh, we've had a good discussion tonight. Dad, thank you for your time. Thanks, Jacob. Monty, thank you for being with us on the program. Appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. And we appreciate you for joining us on the other end of the line. And, again, we will remind you that if you have any questions or comments about anything you've heard on this program or any uh, other edition of the Virtual Bible Study, we welcome those comments as well. Paul in the chat room concludes with a good verse for us to think about as we think about right and wrong, Ecclesiastes 12, verse 14, For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. There is a standard of right and wrong, and God is going to use that standard to judge us, and we need to be prepared for that judgment. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope we make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.